Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Hey Fighting Podcast. I'm Cody Worsham, joined in the Cards and Culture Studios by one Jacob Hester. Mr. Hester, how are you doing? I'm happy doing Wednesday. well. I'm doing happy Wednesday to you as well. I see you playing with all your new equipment. You're so giddy now. Anytime we start to do this podcast lately, you've got your new equipment. You're so happy. Tiny brain, big kid. A lot of skull in there. Exactly. I've got buttons I've got a few you can of this push. Up. When, I, when I get in front of this roadcaster and start playing with it, I just want to say, yeah, yeah. That's how excited I am. So that's I, really all I've queued up so far is Flynn uh, clips because they were, they were just already queued up for me yeah. after. After our film room with him. Speaking of film room, we got Mike Jones. Who? Okay, so next time you go on like a two-minute um, tangent about like power or counter or something, and I'm just not listening and I'm tuning you out, I'm going to go in and grab the Mike Jones Who soundbite, and then we're going to implement it in the okay. podcast. Should have done that before. Because I know you set me up for that, but I was like, do I, hmm, do I want to keep well, doing you, it? You also asked him about it, and what was his answer? He said, God, how did he fail? I want to make sure I get this right. He said, was, did he say it's like part of who I am or it's part of my life or it's something? Just part of, it's just part of my it's life. It's part of my life. That's what he said. I was like, that's a great answer, actually. He's like, yeah. Almost like, I know it's coming. I'm over minding like now. Like, uh, I'm just over like, it being a thing that I mind. So, yeah. It's part of my life. He's uh, he's completely used to it at this point. But he was he was incredible, man. Another great film room. He um, He played well. On Saturday, and was a big part of LSU's defensive success. Uh, new look from LSU's defense, which we touched on a little bit. We'll have some numbers to to do that. So we'll do the usual um, stuff today. Where you know, first gate, first segment here, we'll look back at Alabama. Next segment, we'll look ahead to Arkansas, and then the third segment, we'll bring on Mike Jones. I was waiting for you to do it. I'm going to have to go do it See, myself at this uh, point. I- you told me you were going to put it in like post. I need I need you to go on a rant for no. I'm not doing a post. I'm going to do it in the middle of the episode. Like, oh, I'm about okay. to ask You're you saying, a question about I got like you. I got you. I'm, going to, I'm going to ask you some scheme question. That, I got you. Um, where you like you get all excited and you go on for like a minute about like um, strike and Sam Strong safety. Yeah. Uh, that's just the one I'm saying because you just talked with Mike yeah. Jones about that. And as you're talking about that, I'm going to go grab. Uh, Mike Jones, who and clip it and put it on my board and play it uh, whenever we introduce him. That's my so, fault. It's okay. It's it's actually my fault. I should have been ready to go ahead of time. Um, but this one's this one's impromptu because it's not a bye week. It's coming off of a very competitive LSU uh, defeat against Alabama. A game that, um, as we said afterward, no moral victories, but you saw some things that you can build on, and that's what you're looking for down the stretch of the season is some building blocks. So uh, having rewatched the film, having uh, looked at Pro Football Focus and some of the numbers, and, and chewed on what you've seen, just kind of give me your um, your two-minute interlude, your two-minute yeah. overview of, of uh, what, what you saw, if your opinion changed, or if your opinions on the game pretty much stayed the same after rewatching. So I rewatched it pretty quickly, and I, and I know you kind of differ from that. Sometimes you'll watch it in a hurry-up fashion, no pun intended here, but and sometimes you'll delay it. Like I, I'm, I have a sickness. I, I can't delay it. Like Sunday after the EPL, I'm watching the full game, and I watch the full game. Actually, what's your What's your setup? Your, your Your laptop, right? I'm laptop. Yeah, I'm laptop in the bed after the the early EPL game. Because, again, we both have a sickness there, and I have a sickness after that when it comes to watching the full game. And I always tell myself I'm not going to after a loss. But after a loss like this, I, I definitely want to do a deep dive into it. And I tweeted it out, I believe it was on Sunday night, maybe after I watched it, but the linebackers continued to yeah, blow me away. Great, they were so good, instinctive, physical, tough. Um, 
athletically it felt like they were on a different level than who they are going against. And you're going against pros. You're going against guys that are going to play on Sunday. So it was highly impressive. And, you know, Blake Baker, someone that when we did film room with Damone Clark, raved about him. We just did film room with Mike Jones. Who? Okay, thank you. I haven't given it up I yet, know. By the way. God, Lee, we're, we'll get this. And he raved about Blake so, Baker. We're so bad at this. Yeah, we're, we're, we're supposed to be professionals at this. Well, part of it's kind of like now I'm just we're just making it a bit. I but know. he raved about him. It's like, okay, well, I can see it. I can see the coaching style come out of his players. And as an assistant coach, head coach, coordinator, whatever, like that's what you want to see. Yeah. Like he talks about striking opponents, using your hands, getting off blocks, being physical at the point. And when you watch this film room back, you're going to see Mike Jones. And remember, like Mike Jones was someone who played nickel at Clemson. Yeah. So this is something that he's had to work on. That's why you haven't seen a lot of him because he's been working to be a stack linebacker, to be an inside linebacker, and it's starting to show on tape. He's very athletically gifted, and you know his coaching from Blake Baker is is something that he credited, like him being able to make that transition from nickel to Mike. So. That's, that was a lot of fun to watch on Sunday, to rewatch the linebackers. Watch, watch Neil Farrell. Neil Farrell's been I dominant. Yep. I mean, he has been so dominant. Jaqueline Roy's been dominant. B.J. Ojalari had some nice rushes. Sony did a really nice job of setting the edge on some of the run plays. Radar Jones is out there making plays. Physical, it, Physical man. I tell you, man, it. Jay Ward had a heck of a game. Yep. And I know we're going all defense here because this defense deserves to be talked about. They went against the Heisman front runner, an offense that's been scoring on everybody. And only one time in the game, Alabama drove and, and put points on the board. They, the other times, the offense set them up, right? You throw an interception right before half, which we'll talk about. You get points there, and then you turn it over. And what, what does a good team do when you turn it over? Take a shot. They took a shot. They hit the shot. And that was how they got uh, um, you know points on a 50-plus yarder there. But the defense didn't allow Alabama to drive very much. A lot of three and outs. More than you'll ever see from an Alabama offense, the way they're clicking right now. So the defense deserves to be talked about. All three levels I thought had guys. But for me, the thing that stood out the most was the play of the linebackers because it was – it was really four guys, but it was three guys that Baskerville, Clark, and Jones stood out, and they were on a different level than everybody else. Yeah, so the first thing that um, that, that stood out to me when I rewatched the game was that I was completely wrong about this game going into it. Um, my take was that LSU was going to have to um, win, you know, like the, the, the phrase I keep using is from the Florida game, like win on the margins, right? Like you're going to have to, and they, they did have to do that, but I thought they were going to have to do that because they just wouldn't be able to stack up with Alabama, um, for, for 60 minutes, snap to snap, play to play. And they did. I went back and watched it and I watched it a little bit differently because I, I feel like I'm missing out, but I, I don't watch the, the broadcast version anymore. And so I feel like I miss out on some of the flow and narrative of the game, but I watch it through pro football focus and it's coaches clips and it's coaches film. And so I think I get a little better view of the the nuance and the the play to play and and sort of the the tactical battle, but I lose some of the sense of flow and narrative. So like yeah. things that we may overlook when when I watch that, or things that I may overlook when I watch it that way is like calling timeouts at a certain time, or um, you know, kind of the the game flow stuff that is. Don't get me wrong; it's hugely important. Um, I just don't get that when you're um, when you watch it in the cut, right? When you're watching right. the cuts, you're not seeing situations as much. I was noticing that with the film room with you and, and, and Mike was um, like, I would look at y'all would start the thing and I'd be like, Oh, situationally, this is interesting. It's third down or it's fourth down here or whatever. 
and you, you lose a little bit of that when you're watching the clips, but you make up right. for it in, in, in the matchups. And when I saw the matchups was like when Coach O keeps saying we outplayed Alabama, he he's he's kind of right in my opinion. Like yardage wise, I think they had a few more yards or whatever. Um, a lot of the stats were actually very very identical when, when you go back and look at them. But for the most part, like when I watch film, and I'll be biased, I watched uh, the defense first, and I went through and watched every defensive snap, and I was like, the defense, I underrated how well they played. They played incredible yeah. football. I was the same way. There was the 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 play that you just mentioned where they took a shot, and LSU got beat on. You, you kind of tip your cap to it. Um, and then there was the third down play where they um, where Bryce Jones rolled out and hit Mechie for the touchdown in the back of the end zone. To me, that's like the that's the two di- the difference in the game that their quarterback made those two plays and LSU wasn't able to get that from their offense. Otherwise, like players t- uh, two through eleven on the field, everywhere else, I thought LSU was yeah. better. Um, which is not a moral victory, and I don't think makes anyone feel better. It almost makes you feel a little bit worse because, like, man, the the game was right there. But you know, whether it was you mentioned some of those guys like Neil Farrell, I I just had his stats pulled up. Let me see if I can get back to him. Yeah, well, the first one that came to mind was was schematic, and we'll talk about that in a second. But here's Neil Farrell, and this is just straight from my Twitter account. With another 90-plus grade game, this time against Alabama, Neil Farrell is the highest-graded defensive lineman in the country per pro football focus. His stats versus Alabama were seven tackles, five pressures, three hurries, three stops, two-and-a-half tackles for loss, one sack. And I don't think it does it justice because even when we were going through the film room with Mike, one of the plays, like, Neil just busts through and builds a wall, and Mike comes on the back end and cleans it up. Like, just yep. every play. And the change that Neil has made is, I think, after that Florida game, Coach O was very careful to say he played well, but, like, there were some plays where he was out of his gap. He was trying to make a play, got out of his gap. We got gashed for it. He played his responsibility very, very well this week and then still did all the dominant getting in the backfield, right. being disruptive stuff. Like, he was able to combine those things. So I thought him... And then the two guys behind him, Damone Clark and Micah Baskerville, and then Mike when he came in 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 his role too, I thought that gave you kind of a tip of the spear defensively that Alabama just couldn't deal with. And it made things on everyone else a little bit easier. And then you have Jay Ward, who I thought he played well after the game. I went back and and watched the film and thought he played even better. He was physical. He was aggressive. Uh, he, He came downhill and hit. We all remember the Bryce Jones hit. He was back there in coverage. He played really well. So the spine of your defense was really, really excellent. And when that's the case, it makes it easier on everyone else around you. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, Neil's been playing at such a high level this entire season. It's not just been one game, two games. It's been the entire season. That's how you become the highest graded defensive lineman. He has really raised his level of play. I mean, when you look at him from the past and you look at him now, he's so much more consistent, and he is dominant. He's dominant against really good football players. We're talking about some really good offensive linemen that he's going against right now. So it's fun to watch him play. It's fun to watch him continue to grow. Sorry, I'm pressing buttons and I'm I'm I muted you for a second. I apologize. It's no. I may or may not be trying to find the Mike Jones thing. The best part about that is I did that to T. Bob one time. I just leaned over and he was talking gibberish nonsense. You weren't talking gibberish either. I was just and I muted his mic and he he went on for like thirty seconds and he had no idea. So the beauty of the roadcasters, I still don't know. Like I don't know if I muted you or just muted our headphones. What I was going to see if I could do is play this Mike Jones audio while you were talking. <laughs> Listen to it without it going to the board. I'm just not that sophisticated of a it's producer fine. yet. Hey, it's fine. It's fine. This is organic. This is what happens. This is not 
live radio. It's a recorded podcast. But I'm not we like any to, of this in post, I was about to say, we like to put in our faults because this that's just a, what we like to do. This is an authentic podcast. That's right. Okay. You're exactly right. So, all right, we talked about Neil. Um, Damone Clark continues to, to just amaze me. He continues to be a player that gets better each and every week. The true Damone Clark really started in, in 19. You lost it in 20, again, because of the positions he was put in. And what just not on the player. I'm sorry, it's just not on the player because you don't take that step back. He is not only taking a step back forward this year, he has taken a leap. He is so fun to watch. He is a leader. He's tough. He's fast. He's physical. He's all the things you want your leader right there in the middle of your defense to be. And Baskerville's been been really, really good. He's had a couple of MAs that he'd like to have back talking with him, but for the most part, he's been in the right position. He has been instinctful and he's made uh, a play. So it was a position that a lot of people were worried about coming into the year, and it's been a real strength for this LSU defense, and it gets better each and every game. And, you know, I know we're not previewing Arkansas yet, but they're the number one rushing team in the SEC. Those guys are going to have to play really well in this game coming up. And we can't forget about Mike Jones. Man, this is so disappointing. I had it queued up, and this video has no audio. Like, what an absolute disappointment. What a joke. This Shamar English on Twitter, this is your fault. Because <laughs> you have a video that says you can't refer to yourself as a rap scholar and not know who Mike Jones is, and it's a 15-second video of Mike Jones clearly saying, Mike Jones who? And there's no audio. Like, I'm so disappointed right now. This is on you, Shamar. This is not on me. Yeah, this is on you. We're not taking this loss. You're taking this L. Um. Yeah. So that. But he's going to have a role in this game, though, and it's something we talked about with him right when we were heading off. He's going to have a role in this game against Arkansas. They want to run the football with their running backs, with their quarterback. So this isn't a a one hit wonder for Mike. Now Mike played actually well in the Ole Miss game when he was in there. We had a couple of plays in the film room from that Ole Miss game, but he obviously jumped onto the scene for LSU fans in this Alabama game. Look, this is someone who's played a lot of college football, and he's played it at Clemson, right? He hadn't played it at Directional U. He, it was at Clemson. He was in the college football playoff and made a play in that college football playoff, right? Comes up with an interception. He's played a lot of football. He is a good player. He was just trying to transition from being a nickel to being an inside linebacker. It took him a little bit of time. You can you can see it in the film now. It's starting to click. He's starting to do the things that they're asking him to do, and he's going to have a role in this game. So, yeah, all three of those linebackers deserve to get a big shout-out. Would it be safe to say with the way that his role has expanded that, you know, Back then, they didn't want him, but now he's hot, and they're all on him. Mm. Would that be fair to say? I think it'd be fair to say. Mike Jones? Okay. I think that'd just, be fair to say. Just making sure. Um, okay. So many people are wondering what we're talking about right now. But no, the ones that get it, it the ones that the get ones it, get it, get it. They get it. Like, if you get it, you get it. Yeah. Um, LSU's offense did not get it on Saturday. They they struggled. It was it was a struggle for them. And go back and re-watching it, um, it it's it's crazy how, how critical – like. This is going to sound really reductive and, and cliche. It's crazy how critical the position of quarterback is on the entire outcome of a game. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that uh, Max Johnson is the reason LSU didn't win, but I thought the difference in the game was that Bryce Young in those critical plays was able to make plays, and Max wasn't able to hit on them. Now, part of that is is your learning curve um, with with Max in particular. And it's interesting that Max. One of the things that I did, I watched the offensive clips. Um, kind of in, in consecutive order. I saw some guys winning their matchups, was 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 pleased with that. And then after the game, I, I went back and watched um, some film. It was just a quick, a quick cut of Max's play against Florida last year. 
And I just kept thinking about what you said in the post game of every play has a clock, right? Mm-hmm. And last year in that Florida game, I don't know if it was the game plan. I don't know if it was the scheme. I don't know if it was the personnel in the field with Kayshawn out there and some other weapons. Um, I don't know if it's a combination of all that stuff. Maybe Max just felt um, better in that game. Maybe he was feeling it better that game. Maybe it was the looks he was getting. I mean, that's one of the things about football is you can't reduce it to one or two factors. There's a lot of factors that go into play. But that clock was was 100% one time in that Florida game and in this Alabama game, it was just it was a half second off. Yeah. And I tried to see if I could quantify it. I'll pull it up here in a second. Um, I think his average time to throw against – uh, against Alabama this past weekend was 2.85 seconds, which is a little slow. Now, you have to take into context, you know, what kind of throws you're making, that sort of thing. Typically, a deep throw is going to take a little bit longer, right, than a, than a shorter developing route. It was 2.85 seconds, and LSU wasn't taking shots downfield. So it was – the, the clock was off, and you could see it, you could sense it, you could feel it. And I don't know if it was the looks he was getting. Um, I don't know. Max probably did media yesterday. I, I wasn't – I didn't see all the player interviews, but – he, he probably talked about what he was seeing in that media session, but for whatever reason, the timing just wasn't off. And for me, it's it's a combination of all those factors. The sophomore quarterback who's still, like we keep saying it, but he's he had two starts last year, and he's got, what, what now, eight this year, nine this nine, year. So he's yeah. he, he's got a full season under his belt now, but still just one full season under his belt. We've seen quarterbacks need time to develop that timing. Um, so that's probably part of it as well. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt that his favorite receiver and kind of his – um, his his I don't want to call him a safety blanket, but the guy that you could go to when things weren't clicking isn't there. Like how many times this year? Just this year. By the way, Keishon Butte still leads the SEC in touchdown catches. That's how good he was. <laughs> That's how good he was before he got hurt. Yeah, and he was the guy that um, their connection over the middle of the field was what everything was built around for LSU's passing game. Like if you've been listening to this podcast all season, you remember me rattling off those numbers mm. of, of how effective they were over the middle of the field. That was their bread and butter, was to get it to Kayshawn over the middle, and when the defense adjusted to that, exploit the holes elsewhere. And now it felt like maybe there was just, a, without Kayshawn Butte there, and it's not a knock on the other personnel that are on the field, but without that sort of that chemistry, that reliable, that, um, that, that go-to, get-out-of-jail-free card, there, there's more on Max's shoulders, and with the combination of game plan, scheme, um, the the quality of the def- opponent that he was playing, the situation he was in, that that it was just that little fragment off, and a little yeah. fragment off against certain opponents you can get away with, yeah. you can live with, a little fragment off against Alabama and Tuscaloosa, they're going to punish you for, and they did, and and it's a credit to them, but yeah, that 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 was the feeling I got rewatching it. Uh, on film yeah and, and I've never played quarterback and I know there's a lot that goes into that and and you know I have Flynn on the radio show every week and you know during breaks and on the show we're talking about quarterback play and, and what they're looking for and all those type of things but I, one thing I do know about quarterback play is you can't try to be perfect because you're never going to achieve it Just, it's not going to happen you're not going to be perfect in a game and sometimes you can't be afraid to make a mistake and it felt a little bit like that. Like it was afraid a little bit to make the big mistake because look, you're on the road, you're in the SEC, you're going against the number two team in the country, you're a four touchdown underdog and you're in this game. So I understand how that thought process would come into your head, but you sometimes you have to go out there and make the winning play, not being perfect because football is sometimes just not going to be perfect. Like you see this coverage and this is not supposed to be open, but it's open, right? You throw that football, whatever it might be. And 
So to your point, I, that it, a little bit watching the tape, that's what kind of what it felt like a little bit. Like you're trying to not only make the perfect play, but you don't want to make the big mistake as well that leads to your team losing. And it was just it was it was a tick off, and a tick off at that position is just different everywhere else. Okay, so I've I pulled the numbers. I was slightly off in in my comparison. I've got every Max Johnson game that he's played in throughout his career by week, average time to throw. Um, this week against Alabama at Alabama was 2.97 seconds per throw. That's the third most, uh, third longest time to throw in his career. Um, if you go back to like pick pick a game where you thought let's use the Florida game from last year, 2.67 seconds. So that's a that's a full three tenths of a second. Which like Jack Marucci will tell you the value of three tenths of a second in yeah. in, in football. The, the analogy he he likes to use is. That's the difference between a four seven forty and a four four forty. Four seven forty, you're not a first round pick. Four four forty, you you know, cash the check now. Um, and, and that's not, I mean that that's the analogy he uses, and then I always go back to him and then think of it like, think of it relationally, like three tenths of a second in a three second window is a lot bigger difference than a three tenths of a second in a five second window. So it it, it shows up statistically that uh, the max was holding it a little bit longer. And the deep throws weren't weren't really there either, so it, it was um, it just it just wasn't right, and so that probably leads us into the next chapter of the conversation. So let's um, let's do this instead of jumping into it now. Is it well before we before we transition? Is there anything else from this game that stood out when you go back and look at it, um, offensively or defensively? Special uh, teams, a- Avery Atkins, yeah, obviously a great yeah, play, yeah, but yes. Anything else? Real quick, yeah, the Avery Atkins, he did exactly what he had to do to be able to pick up that fake punt. They wanted to run it against safe. They got the safe look. They made sure they had the right call. Alabama never in a million years after they had to call a timeout thought they were running that, and Avery ran it like three yards closer to the line than he was supposed to because he knew he had to to be able to get Jack Mashburn open to be able to complete it. So nice, headsy play by a savvy vet there. So I want to give him a shout-out. also thought LSU ran the ball pretty well considering right considering you you couldn't really get much going through the air considering who you're going against and Alabama can be run against this year they've shown that but LSU with the the peaks and valleys in the run game I did think they ran the football really well I know TDP had the uh, the unfortunate fumble there but I thought he had a really nice game did a really nice job of being patient and creating some of those gaps because of him being patient so definitely more than I thought they would get in the running game. Uh, I'm just looking at the pro football focus grades to make sure we didn't miss anything. First of all, Avery Atkins, LSU's highest graded offensive player, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is funny for the one play that he did. He got a, a 71.5 passing grade, which is uh, it's pretty good. That's pretty stout for for one attempt. What I love about that story is, did you hear about what like what he's yelling as he's running the ball toward the line of scrimmage? No, he's just yelling run, 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 which makes me that I think that's so funny that like psychologically. Just yelling, run, 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 as you're running toward the line of scrimmage to sell the run. Yeah. Probably actually works. Like, yeah. it probably actually affects you on the football field. Uh, oh, it, d- dude, there's like a, there's a dad out at uh, flag football and it's kindergarten <laughs> league and he's the quarterback and he's pointing to the left saying, left, 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 oh, handing it off man. to the right. And one, I'm like, good job. You tricked the oh, five year olds. But oh, what a savage. You know, that's what he's trying to do. He's Get on like, his level. He's, yeah, I'd rather not. He's left, 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 and he's handing it back to the right. But, you know, this time it worked in major college football, not flag football for five year olds. A couple other guys that stood out. Jack Besh um, had a good good game and, and made some plays when he was called on and had an opportunity to make some more plays. I talked with Jack this week on a on a separate um, project, but getting his perspective on it was really cool. 
um, that you know scoring a touchdown in Tuscaloosa for for him as a freshman, I think is going to be transformative and and help him as as a platform for his career. But he's so tough. Um, what did you see from him and how they used him? Because we had a question last week about using him in more of a wide receiver like yeah. role. Did yeah. did they do any of that, or is it still kind of? But no, they, I know they him. Did. I know him and Jack Mashburn yeah. played a little bit together. They were on the field at the same time. But I'm looking at the snap counts, for example. Um, Jack had uh, Jack Besh had 34 snaps. Jack Mashburn had 41. Um, other guys like TDP had 56 snaps. Uh, the O line, like that's how I judge how many snaps they had total. 75 from your O lineman. So if you had 75, you had Jack Besh out there for about 34. That's you know a little less than half. I'd have him out there for 55. Yeah. I just I would. He's a playmaker. He does all the things that you need him to do pre-snap, during the snap, after the snap. I just think he's a very smart football player. I know he's a freshman. I know he's a true freshman, but he's just somebody that is a gamer. He just he makes it happen. And him and Jack Mashburn being out there at the same time, that's okay. It's okay to have them both out there at the same time because 11 personnel is going to have three receivers, yeah. a tight end and a back. I think he needs to be part of those three receivers. Yeah. I think he has more than earned his right to be part of those three receivers. And look in in big time moments, you know, he's he's become the third down target. Yeah. He's become the guy on third down that Max looks for. So for me, I there's there's really no reason not to play him as much as possible. And, and Brian, I think Brian Thomas, I think Malik Neighbors, I think yeah. all those guys, I think Dre's got a role in this team, but I would play Jack Definitely more than half the time like he's playing now. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of his um or less than half his actually. his snap counts from the season to see how it compared. Um and it, he played about the same number of snaps total that he's he's played all season. I've switched over to the receiving stats. But just an, an update on some of his season stats. He's at he's got thirty three catches this year, fifty four targets, um, three hundred and sixty six yards, two hundred and four after catch, a couple touchdowns. Um he's been a first down machine, man, twenty one catches. Um, last couple of games, he's really moved. He had three first downs against Alabama, was moving the chains for them, and he's been good on contested balls. He's been good after the catch, making guys miss. Um, he, he's still more of a, a short-distance guy for LSU. His average distance, distance of target uh, against Alabama was 5.1 yards, 8.6 against Ole Miss, 2.0 against Florida. Uh, Kentucky and would be the exception here, 12.4 yards, but mostly he's around 7, 8 yards a game. Uh, I think that's another element to his game that we've seen against Central Michigan. He had some shots yeah. downfield and made some plays. So I, th- I think they could expand that a little bit. But if you just look at the snap count, he's he's um, one one thing that really stands out to me. Thirty is is about where he's been. He was at twenty four the week before, twenty the week before that, thirty four against Kentucky, at fifty against Auburn. That's that's more your territory. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting to me is that when he plays, it's this is almost like tendencies, right? He played 35 snaps total against Alabama. 30 were pass plays. So he's only in there for, according to this, you do the math, it's five runs, eight, yeah. three run blocks, a pass. So uh, the week before, he played 33 snaps, 24 were passes. The week before that, 27 snaps, 20 were passes. So uh, this is a, a slightly pass-happy offense, um, which is finding its balance, as you mentioned. Yeah. But it's almost uh, it's almost a tip and a tell. And so Arkansas, if you're listening, like, you didn't Disre- hear that. Disregard the last 30 didn't seconds. But maybe after this, we'll sh- shoot a text over. Uh, LSU's aware of this. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I'd like to see his role continue to expand. I would as well. And, you know, it's probably the first and second down is is when we're talking about here because third down, I think he's been on a majority of those. And, again, I think the other guys are doing a great job. It just feels like that is someone 
that is ready to raise his level of play to another notch, right? We've seen some of the plays. We've seen his ability uh, to catch the ball, put his foot in the ground, go north south, create positive yards, you know, on his own yards after uh, catch there have been great for Jack. So I, I think it will go up. I think you'll continue to see his, his role in the offense grow. And Jack Mashburn's allowed that because of the way he's played. It's allowed Jack Besh to become more of a receiver and not an F, which they were trying to make him do just to really get him on the field. Uh, just a couple more stats that stood out. You mentioned TDP had 104 yards, 48 were after contact, so he, he did work after contact. L- listen to this. This goes to, to uh, it's a testament to LSU's defensive play. Brian Robinson Jr., 27 rushing yards, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, 27 after contact. LSU was meeting him at the line yeah. of scrimmage every single time. And for the game, they had... They've got Alabama, I guess this is total, they have Alabama at 60 rushing yards, 37 after contact. So just 23 before contact. And, some, and so a lot of that's from Bryce Young and his scrambles. Yeah. You take those out. When when Alabama turned around and handed the ball off, LSU was meeting him at the line yeah. scrimmage. And they were. They made it very difficult. And, they, God, they were so aggressive. And, and really at the point of attack, that's when they were their most physical. And they didn't, they didn't allow a, a talented offensive line to get any push. All right, let's, uh, let's do this. Let's take a break. We will uh, come back. We'll talk about uh, the Arkansas game and the quarterback situation. All right, we're back. Um, let's take a, a look ahead to Arkansas. Uh, I have, as usual, um, poorly prepared and, and have not looked at Arkansas at all. I'm familiar with uh, the, the narratives and the storylines, and I do know they're the number one rushing offense in the SEC, mm-hmm. which is – Something that you said in the first segment. So that's the only reason that I know that. Um, tell me what you know about Arkansas. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were like looking at it. I thought you were saying, yep, I agree with you. I've seen that. That is something that is factual. I mean, if you could have totally made it up and then I just spread your lies even further. Um, well, here, well okay. um, but, I, but I trust I you. I didn't make it up. Yeah, here's why they're number one. Uh, Traylon Smith is someone that has 476 yards on the ground this year, okay? Raheem Sanders also has 460 yards on the ground. K.J. Jefferson, their quarterback, he has 433 yards on the ground. Demeek Johnson, he has 416 yards on the ground. So that's how they get it done. You've got four rushers that have over 400 yards rushing, which is a pretty amazing stat. And you're talking about Smith's got four touchdowns, Jefferson's got five, Johnson's got six. They spread the ball around. These guys all can take over a game if they need to. Now, Jefferson, obviously, being the quarterback, he'll design quarterback run, he'll do it. On, on third and longs, when you're covering everything down the field, he'll tuck the ball really good at finding a way to pick up first downs on those third and longs when he's just scrambling. So that's the first thing that's going to jump off to you. They are a team that wants to run the football. They're going to do it with multiple guys. They try not to fall into any tendencies because they roll so many guys through there. Now, Burks is going to be a really, really dynamic receiver. Traylon Burks, he'll, he'll play on Sundays. And when they want to make a play through the air, he's unquestioned the guy that Jefferson's going to. He's got 800 yards receiving on the year. Morris, the number two receiver on this team, only has 250. To kind of tell you the difference there, he's their big play guy. So it's Burks in the passing game. It's all the guys I just listed, Smith, Sanders, Jefferson, and Johnson in the run game. And K.J. Jefferson's done a really nice job taking care of the football. 16 touchdowns, only three interceptions on the year so they're getting really good quarterback play remember he was a quarterback in 2019 
that came in and went against LSU here in Tiger Stadium. So a little bit of, of spot starts here and there, but now that it's fully his job, he's done a really good job of taking care of the football, making plays when he has to, certainly done a nice job of rushing the football. So offensively, that's who Arkansas is. And something else uh, T-Bob and I were talking about on the morning show this offensive line is not built like the Brett Bielema offensive lines. They're, they're not a massive group. They're more of a slender, athletic hmm. group. So I'll be curious to see how that plays against LSU because when you start to look at what LSU does really well, they've been physical at the point. And you got some athletic guys, and you think of them more as speed guys, but Neil Farrell and Jaqueline Roy, I mean, they have been physical. And I think that's a matchup that actually favors LSU's defensive line. Yeah, as the uh, resident Arkansas expert um, yep. who just happens to have their pro football focus uh, summaries pulled up right now, you're talking about Traylon Burks, and um, that's a name that we all we all know, obviously. Um, a lot of his damage is done after the catch, 420 yep. yards after catches here. That's 9.1 yards after catch per reception, um, which makes me think of LSU's success against Alabama. LSU missed two tackles against Alabama. Uh, I think – the the stat that it was like two tackles uh, missed sixty four successful three percent uh, missed tackle rate it was the best in the country yeah. this week and that's something that LSU has been pretty good at this season is is, is why they guys. were successful against Mississippi State it's a reason they won that game in my opinion defense yeah. got the guys on the ground oh with the exception of uh, a guy named Bo Nix the LSU's tackled really well <laughs> all season and that um, we don't need to talk about that um, so that 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 could be. Um, really, really important here. Um, how about Arkansas's defense? Tell me what you know about what they've been able to do defensively, yeah. and that will probably transition us nicely into uh, into the conversation about LSU's offense. Well, Arkansas is a team that is going to tackle you. That's one thing they do really well. They have got a group that will get you on the ground. It's why they've had success against Mississippi State over the last couple of years, because when you play that offense, right, you got to keep it in front of you. You got to get it on the ground. And you'll notice, I mean, we've talked a lot, uh, you know, on this podcast for years, it seems like about Grant Morgan and what he means to that defense. They've got bumper pull, not only in the all name team, but he's a guy that plays a, a physical brand of football. So the thing that jumps off to me, Barry Odom has them in the right spots. So you're not going to have a lot of missed assignments. That's just not who they are. Now they've, they've got some injuries and they've got some injuries to some of their key guys. Their best player in the defensive backfield has, has been injured and been out for a while. So they're having to plug and play some guys. But when you have a defensive coordinator like Barry Odom, who always has his guys in the right spots, that's always going to behoove you whenever you're trying to break in somebody new, right? Because they're coached up, they're ready to go. So when I describe this Arkansas defense, it's almost not athletic, but sound. They're sound and they're physical. But athletically, you can get them on the edges. So that's something that LSU has to try to take advantage of. And LSU hasn't done that a lot. Like you think about when they've been successful, it's really been between the hashes. For LSU to have success, and I'm talking more running game than anything, I think getting out on the edge will, will be a recipe for success. And also things like quick screens and, and and now passes and all those type of things that we haven't seen LSU done a, do a ton of, the thing that you love, a little push pass. Like that's getting on the edge. That's getting your guy in space with a chance to get around the edge because they are limited athletically, I think. But if you try to play their game, and you try to run inside the box, or you try to hit things over the middle. You talked about the spine of LSU's defense. Well, their spine is really good as well. I'm going to nominate a couple of guys from Arkansas's roster uh, in their defense for the all-name team. We got Bumper Pool. He's going to be hard to beat. We got Joe Fouché. That's a Louisiana kid, right? Yeah. Um, Joe Fouché. I, I just like that because it's Louisiana kid. You got Miles Slusher, <laughs> and you have Chris Paul Jr., yeah. which uh, he's only played 14 snaps this season. 
But I'm curious now if Chris Paul Sr. is the Chris Paul that I'm yeah. thinking of. Yeah, I don't think so. He, he would not. be a demon deacon probably. I mean, it's a relatively uncommon name, Chris Paul, like two just names you don't hear very often. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's address the elephant in the room, LSU's quarterback situation. So Coach O's been talking about the quarterback situation for a couple of days now. He talked about it after the game. Um, I, I mentioned in the first segment the quarterback play and, and sort of Bryce Young's ability to make some plays in some high-leverage situations, Max Johnson's uh, inability to do that against Alabama. Probably the difference in the mm-hmm. game. One of the differences in the game, plus the turnovers. We didn't even mention the the turnovers, but Alabama got 13 of their points off turnovers, and LSU was not able to. Oh, we, we mentioned that on the hurry up. We did. Uh, we did. Pretty in detail. We are just moving right past it. Um, <laughs> but so this week, uh, Garrett Nussmeyer is going to play. Yeah. And Garrett Nussmeyer has played three games this season for LSU. The next one he plays will be his fourth. That's mm-hmm. math. And you can play a maximum of four games. And still right. redshirt, right? Right. So he has one game left to play and still redshirt. And that's been a whole story. And um, it's not a controversy, but it's been a, a big talking point. And so Coach O said after the game that um, that Garrett didn't play against Alabama because they talked with his parents and his family. And they decided that he would like to keep his redshirt if possible. And he didn't want to play if it was just going to be a couple of snaps here and there. And I think some things have probably been lost in, uh, in in translation through this conversation, what do we know about Garrett Nussmeyer? Like, what do, what do you and I and anyone that's watched him play football know about Garrett Nussmeyer? Uh, he's a gunslinger who's got a jackrabbit personality. He's twitchy. He's always ready and amped up, and always ready, always ready and amped up. Uh, I promise you. And this came out later, as Coach O said on Monday, that Garrett Nussmeyer went in there on Sunday and was upset because he wanted to play. Garrett Nussmeyer wanted to play in that game on Saturday. Like, there's no question in my mind or anyone's mind. He um, so he typically not to cut you off. He typically keeps his like jersey up and his like rib protector hanging out when he's on the sideline. That thing was buckled up and pulled down mm-hmm. the entire game. Yeah, and he was. I, I, saw, I noticed him throwing a lot more on the sidelines yeah. than he normally. He he wanted to play. Okay, and so I think people here redshirt and they want his family wants him to redshirt and they they envision in their mind that you know his parents have been calling and saying, hey, you know, don't play him. We want him to redshirt. I think where the, the real conversation was, and, and you can hear this in Coach O's words if you go back and listen to him, was they want him to play competitive football. Yeah. And if he's not going to play competitive football where, where um, his team's got a chance to win, he's got a chance to be a big part of it, they would prefer for him to, to, to be able to have the option to redshirt. But if competitive football is up for grabs, like that dude wants to play. We, we know that yeah. just from watching him. And so he's going to get that chance now. Um, I think he's going to be excited about it. I think Max will well, – it sounds like he'll still start, although I guess mm-hmm. it could change before Thursday. But it sounds like Max will still start, but Nussmeyer will get his shot. And I'm excited to see it because um, we've seen him come in in situations where he's able to air it out a little bit. We haven't seen him really come in in a normal situation no. and just, just play normal football and um, you know have a second and seven with options on the table. So right. I'm excited to see that. What are your expectations for him and for the quarterback position the last couple of games of the season? Well, this can play out a, a lot of different ways. I mean, look at how Auburn played out. In that week, we talked about T.J. Finley more than Bo Nix, right? And Bo Nix started, T.J. Finley came in, Bo Nix went back in, Bo Nix was the hero, Bo Nix has now had a good year. So it can play out a lot of different ways. Max can start. Nelson, had a rough day Saturday, Bo Nix. He, he did, but, I mean, we expect him to have way more rough it's Saturdays the, than he's had. Yeah, it's part of the Bo Nix experience. It's trademark. A, yes. So, I mean, 
Max could start, Nuss could come in and not do anything wrong, but then Max could go back in and he could play well. This could raise his level of play, right? Because when you have that competition, you got somebody breathing down your neck, you either rise to the top or you fall to the bottom. And I think Max is, I wrote a literal whole feature on it this year for the game program about how competition brings out the best. And I think it's going to be good for him. I think it's going to keep him sharper. I don't think it's going to be a conscious thing where he's like, oh, now I've got competition, I need to play better. But I think it keeps him sharper. He grew up in a very competitive household. I think it's going to bring out the best in him. Right, and then if you're Nuss, I mean, hey, I get my chance. I'm not giving it back. has to be your mentality. Yep. So th- this could play out a lot of different ways. I am completely okay with them opening up this competition. I think it needs to be open right now. I think there's just thing from, things from both sides that, that you can point to and say, okay, this needs to be open right now. I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. Now it's got to be a flow of the game. It's got to be in the right moment. If Max is playing well, Coach O said it to us on Tuesday. Like, hey, no, we're not going to pull Max if he's out there and he's on fire. But if the game calls for it, if you have a couple of three and outs, and you're like, all right, it's time. Let's, let's get a little juice. Nuss comes in. We'll see what he's able to do. I can tell you one thing. It's not going to be too big for him. There's not a stage in this world on any gridiron in America that's going to be too big for the personality that Garrett Nussmeyer has. It's just not going to be the case. It won't happen. No, and, and honestly, my I wouldn't call it a fear, but my question with him has always been, can he can he actually calm down and settle down yeah. and do some, some quote-unquote normal, play a normal football game, normal quarterback, which he did really against Ole Miss. It wasn't a normal situation. But he uh, he came in and, and engineered a nice drive, seven to twelve hundred something yards, touchdown pass. It was nice. Uh, my favorite stat for these two: average distance of target, and it's a small sample size. Uh, Nussmeier's only had twenty six attempts to Max two hundred ninety seven, but average distance of target ten yards for Max, sixteen yards for Garrett Nussmeier, which is the most in the SEC for anyone with a minimum of twenty five attempts. Um, he's going to go out there and sling it. And we talked about time to throw. Mm-hmm. So max on the season is 2.77, so that puts in context that 2.95. He was holding on to it longer against Alabama. Nussmeyer, 3.37. He's just standing back there. He's running around. <laughs> he's buying time, looking to sling it. I, I think it'll be less of that. I think yeah, he'll yeah. be... He'll be in a normal yeah, install. I tell you what, that that buying time though, that's a part of some quarterback sure. games. I mean, look at Bryce Young. What he, you know, he was able to do it at times. Like the only time he had time, really, it felt like that's what he was doing. And um, that that's probably the one thing I'm most surprised with with Max is he was so good at that a year ago. It felt like buying that extra time, and this year, it's you know, you make a move and then you're like, all right, I'm just going to take this sack. Which I understand, live to play another down for yep. sure. But I felt like last year he he got away from the rush a little bit better and it can definitely be a skill set that you have yeah his his uh rushing stats from year to year um have have been significantly different um with max and that was something that stood out when i was going back and watching um the florida tape from last year he picked up so many first downs with his legs where he would just kind of scramble out yeah get to the chains get out of bounds um make a play with his legs um this year that's not been a big part of it i wonder how much of that is than them saying, hey, keep your keep your body safe, protect right. yourself. I, I don't think that's as big a part of it. I think he's tried to develop more and um, and stay in the pocket, and that, that's a tough balance, trying to learn how to stay in the pocket, not hold the ball too long, but not be too jittery and get out of the pocket too soon. It's a, it's a very delicate balance that um, once you master, it, it makes you so much better, but until you master it, it's very difficult. So, okay, uh, looking forward to the Arkansas game. Uh, three home games, so we have the ability to uh, come back in this uh, come back in my office and record yep. on the road, which I'm excited about. And uh, and we'll break down this Arkansas game. Um, kickoff time, 639, I believe, for Arkansas. ULM is uh, the next week. That's a, an 8 o'clock game. So pack, we, pack your sleeping bag. How are you, how are you feeling about a 
post game podcast for an eight o'clock game. I mean, hell, I'm already here. We may try something a little bit different. I have, okay. I have, I have some plans. Um, not that I don't love talking with you after after midnight. It's yeah. not a, it's not a weird. It's not real mouth. weird. Uh, okay, let's just uh, let's just turn turn it to Mike Jones. See ya, Mike Jones. Mike Jones. Let's throw it to Mike. I had it ready that time. Yeah, um, we're a little late. We're closing up, but next week, next week it's it's, it's in it's in the pod. Yep. It's going to stay on the on the pad. Yep. Um, so I'm excited to uh, to keep using that soundbite. All right, without further ado, let's uh, throw it to your film room conversation with Mike Jones. See ya, yeah. Mike Jones. All right, LSU fans, welcome back into the LSU Film Room brought to you by Community Coffee. This week, we've got linebacker Mike Jones. Mike, welcome to Baton Rouge. I hadn't had a chance to say that to you just yet. How's your time in Baton Rouge been? Man, it's, it's been great, man, uh, from the people to the culture. And go ahead and say the, the food. food. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and say it. <laughs> it's been great, man. I, I really love it down here. Well, we're glad to have you here, and we're going to dive into some of Mike's best plays, get his reaction to some of these plays that I think have been fantastic so far on the season. And last week, we'll get started here in Tuscaloosa. This was a play that I saw from the sidelines. It was one of my favorite plays in the game. We're bringing pressure here, and – your thought process here is a couple of different things because all right, you're, you're blitzing on a linebacker, but you also know you've got Damone who is playing off of you, right? You've mm-hmm. got to do whatever you got to do to get inside this rusher, but you set him up really nice. And as a running back, right, there's so much space here. Yeah. And I really – I'm in no man's land because I know – what you're trying to do, which is get to the quarterback, but I don't really know what Damone's doing as a running back because I'm focused on you, but you mm-hmm. know exactly what you had to do to be able to get free here. Yes, sir. All right, let's go to the end zone, Kyle. All right, walk us through so <laughs> we can tell everybody exactly what your thought process mm-hmm. is. Um, well, early on, I, you see I start creeping up a little bit. Um, so this blitz, it was a lot about timing, you know. You kind of want to be like a boom, boom type thing. You see me and Damone, like by the time I get to the level of the back, He's like right behind me, you know, so if I didn't make the sack or the back came and picked me up, you know, he'd be the one that'd be the free, uh, the free rusher. And so um, I try to time it up. You know, I actually start pointing to the ball. Hey, watch the ball, watch the ball. And I'm creeping up a little bit, you know, not much of a giveaway. <laughs> uh, but um, I know off the, uh, off the jump that the back's to my side, you know, he's probably going to come down and try to protect uh, me. And so I know. I've said that multiple times, but I know I have the moment behind me and wrapping around. And so my main job right there, my main focus was to make sure I'm inside this back and he takes me, you know, because I know if he takes me, he's going to be the free hitter and we're going to get a sack on this play. And uh, so I see the back step up, you know, my angle coming towards the line of scrimmage. You know, I didn't get too tight towards J-Roy, you know, and J-Roy is another big factor to play. The fact that he's able to get across you know, makes that guard have to stay on him, which just expands that lane for both me and Damone. And so um, I stay wide. Sorry. I stay wide on that, and which makes space for me in the back, you know, and make my move inside. And I actually thought I was probably going to get tripped up, you know. I thought they were going to uh, cut early. And uh, I made my move, was able to stay on my feet, and um, end up getting to the quarterback. Yeah, so as a running back, I can tell you, like, the last thing, the thing I'm most terrified of is you mm-hmm. beating me inside. It's just it gives running backs nightmares. It, even <laughs> though, like, for you, like, you knew you had to get inside this mm-hmm. running back, but he doesn't know that. Like, yeah. he doesn't know exactly what mm-hmm. game you are running, and so he's terrified that you're going to mm-hmm. do that. So when you do that and you make that quick move, mm-hmm. right, he tries to recover so quickly that he doesn't even really see the moment. So yeah. you're right. Like, it's either I'm making the sack because I'm taking this mm-hmm. inside move, or I'm going to take the back's attention, yeah, and Damone's going to 
to make the play. Like regardless, mm-hmm. this is one where the Tigers are going to win yeah, because yeah, yeah. of the way that they played this and the way that y'all executed. Absolutely. All right, so go go ahead. Yeah. Got a little celebration here. Walk <laughs> us through how that felt, man. That's, that's your first sack as an LSU Tiger. How'd that feel? Now, how many sacks mm-hmm. do you have in your college career? Was this, was, was this the first one? I have a half sack. No, so this is the first one. Okay. Yeah, first full <laughs> sack by myself. Um, man, it was a great feeling, um, you know, coming into the week. I, I was excited that we were going to be pressuring a lot more. And right. uh, I actually slipped on one earlier. I feel like I could have had a sack earlier in the game, and I slipped and got a pressure. But uh, coming off the block, you know, I wrapped up uh, Bryce Young's legs, and I'm like, dang it, he probably got the ball off. And so I look up and I see the ball on the ground. I'm just like, oh, we lit. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was dope, man. That was a great moment. That was a great play, great move, great moment, great scheme with sure. uh, you and Damone there. All right, let's go back a couple of weeks. Now, this is you in the run game. Mm-hmm. All right, and so this to me as an offensive player, seeing you react this fast, this is something that you saw on tape. They're running counter here. They're pulling uh, their guard and they're pulling the F, right? So you got mm-hmm. two pullers and as soon as you see it, you do a really nice job of recognizing where exactly you got to be to blow this play up. So is this something that you saw throughout the week? We'll go to the end zone copy. I think it gives a better glimpse of what we're talking about here. All right, so walk us through exactly what you're seeing from your film study because mm-hmm. your reaction so fast. This isn't something that looks like you're reacting to. It looks like something like it was a tendency that mm-hmm. Ole Miss had whenever they ran counter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is something Coach Baker, you know, was – harping on us throughout the week these guys they ran a lot of count not a lot you know that wasn't their only thing but they would run counter with the yeah. back and the pistol so um I knew with that the Y or you called it the F you know early on he's kind of looking across him get a little glance across so we already saying pre-snap hey alert flash he's gonna come across and so uh in my mind I'm already thinking counter yeah. and uh with the counter I know that play side guard is going to try to go to Damone. And so my mindset is I got to be tight. You know, I was expecting somebody to come pick me up and I was going to uh, spill it, you know, so Damone can get over the top whenever he beats his guard, you know, and the play would come to him. Right. But uh, I believe I was tight enough there that they didn't even see me. Nobody really picked me up. And so, um, you know, kind of just being tight, you know, put me in the perfect position to, you know, be the unblocked player and make the play. Yeah, I always call this guy an F because Ys aren't athletic enough mm-hmm. to be able to pull. It's, all, it's always the fullback F <laughs> oh, types, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's that's I why I call you. it that. But you know what he's not doing a great job of mm-hmm. is, and I think you pointed out a little bit there. Look at his eyes. Yeah. Like if I see if I see a, a Y or F, we're kind of joking here. But mm-hmm. if I see somebody that's pulling, he's got all that weight right there on that leg. His mm-hmm. eyes are pointing that way. It's because he's pushing off to come back here. Yeah. And you mentioned that. That's a tendency, right? That's a tendency that I can pick up on. I can mm-hmm. pick up on what he's trying to do, which yeah. is trying to get a little step. See, he does a little fake counter step here, mm-hmm. but your eyes tell me everywhere that you're going. Absolutely. It's just something else you can pick up on film. Absolutely. All right, same game. And this one, we were kind of joking before we hit record. You've got a center coming out on you, and not a small center. I mean, this is one of the bigger centers you'll see. Obviously, like, center's a little bit different than guard and tackle. This was a big boy, and you used your hands, got rid of him quickly, and made a play here. But what's that like when you're sitting here, you're a stack backer, and you've got a free offensive lineman coming to block you down the field? It it is tough. It is definitely (laughs) tough, you know. Um, I think that's one of the more interesting things about the SEC, man, these – gigantic dudes in front of you, you know, both on our side and on their side. And so um, knowing that you got to maybe have to beat one of them and then tackle a a powerful back, (laughs) 
You know, it can keep a guy up yeah. at night. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah. But uh, I know this is something like I've had a lot of conversations with linebacker coach Blake Baker. And by the way, mm-hmm. one of the more impressive football minds I've been around. Absolutely. But I always hear him talk about hands and being physical, shedding blockers, making the play. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you do here. I mean, when you look at this matchup, you've got, again, an unblocked center coming up on a linebacker. He's supposed to win that battle. Mm-hmm. But the initial punch and then getting rid of him allows you to make that play. And that's something I know Blake coaches y'all on every day. Yes, sir. Uh, he does a great job with that. You know, it's something we literally work, it seems like, every single day, you know. And um, it's exactly for plays like this, you know. It, our defensive line does a great job all the time. But, you know, there's just going to be some plays where you got to get guys off you, you know, right. and uh, have to make a play. And um, so going on the snap, I could see that he was kind of moving to the left. I know the ball's coming to the left. Um, and so I kind of take like a wide step early yeah. to get more head up. But I know that I'm going to have to play on the backside of this uh, gap. You know, I know the ball. If right. the ball's going to come through, he's going to bounce it back, you know, because that was my gap. That was my fit once a guy pulled. And so um, I kind of like overplayed it a little bit just to get him leaning one way, you know, and then was able to use his momentum, use my hands to like snatch myself right. back. You know, into my gap. No, it's a great job. Really nice job with your hands. And it's that initial punch for me because, and we'll slow mo it here, you shock him. And when you shock him, because he's not expecting a linebacker to try to be that physical mm-hmm. with an offensive lineman, he's probably expecting you to try to duck out of the way, mm-hmm. go around the block maybe. Yeah. But when you shock him, then you're able to get your hands on him and get rid of him. Really nice job there. All right, there's a lot to unpack in this play. And I'll be honest with you, let's go ahead, let's fast forward to the end zone part of it because I think it's going to give an appreciation of uh, this alignment and this scheme because this is something y'all have not shown all year. Mm-hmm. I think a lot's been made of the adjustments you made during the bye week, self-scout, we've got to do more, we've got to be more diverse, and this is something that is definitely diverse. We have not seen this yet from LSU's defense. Kind of walk us through this formation, this alignment. You've got you know backers everywhere. You've got a zero nose here mm-hmm. by Neil. You've got, you walked up on the line. i got to assume that's not something you've done a lot of. Uh, I've done a, a a good little bit of it, you know, coming from Clemson. Um, you know, we played bigger personnel teams. You know, they would have me do things like that. But, uh, yeah, this year, you know, it, I've had a few snaps, you know, a couple snaps versus Kentucky. Yeah. You know, I did some things like this. But we weren't, you know, playing our scheme the way we were playing. Um, you know, here, you know, we know it's a run situation. And so uh, they dial up this pressure, you know, a good run stopping pressure. where We got guys slanting all across, you know, and pressure coming off that field edge. And, um, you know, it actually works out perfectly for us, you know, with the guy slanting. And Neil makes a great play on this too, man, getting in his gap. But, um, yeah, with the guy slanting, you know, and knowing which way they're going to protect because we know, you know, the situation of the game. You know, it, it works out perfectly. And great play by Neil. Let me just say, great play getting across. Yeah, I mean, Neil's been playing outstanding. He's the highest-graded defensive tackle in the country on pro football focus. I mean, week in and week out, we sit there and we talk about him and his play. I mean, he's in the backfield. And so he's definitely been playing at an extremely high level. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the entire defense did this game. I mean, y'all did a heck of a job with this new scheme, with the new aggression that you're playing with. So. Walk us through kind of what your keys are on this mm-hmm. one, though. We'll slow mo it. Kind of tell us what you're seeing right here. So uh, immediately, the first thing I'm looking at is that hip of the tackle. You know, my goal in this one is to be as tight as I can. You know, because I have an outside blitzer too here with the right. safety. And so, um, you know, the play, like I said, the play comes back to me because Neil's able to get that pressure. You know, and 
it probably would have ended up coming back regardless because we have so many guys slanting across. Yeah. But, you know, it happens a lot faster because, you know, Neil's made a wall, you know, right. early on. And so now it's like nowhere really for the back to go. And since I'm coming tight off that tackle, you know, it falls back somewhat right to me, you know. All right, so with all the success that some of these new things, these new wrinkles on the defense had, not trying to give away too many secrets here, but I would assume this is something that as a defense, y'all did thrive in it. It looked like y'all were having uh, a, a lot of success and a lot of fun out there as well. I mean, this, yeah. this new defense looked like a new group of guys, really. I mean, you're, you're going into this game, you got a lot of guys out, a lot of guys injured, a lot of guys playing for the first time in some of these positions, but y'all handled it well. I would assume this is going to be something moving forward that's going to be a key piece of what y'all try to do. Uh, I definitely think so. Um, you know, I feel like after a game like this, you know, you can't just wipe something like this away. You know, this has to be something you build on, you know, and continue to get better. And um, I think it'll be a strong point for our team. You know, we got a lot of talented guys. One of the most talented group of players I've been around since I've been in, you know, football, yeah. and specifically college football. And um, with just having so many talented guys, you know, we can give a lot of different looks, you know, and do a lot of different things that, you know, maybe teams who aren't as talented, you know, might not be able to, you know, have guys that can put themselves in position to do challenging things like that. All right, so last thing here, three straight home games to end the season. You're a veteran player. You've been around college football for a long time. Still a lot to play for. I mean, inspired effort last week. I know y'all want to finish it, though, on top, get a couple of victories here to end the season. Kind of what's the feel? What's the message you're giving some of the rest of the guys just saying, hey, look, we still got three games. We got three teams that are rivals. We got to go out there and make sure we finish strong. Yes, sir. Um, Like you said, man, thing on the table, you know, um, the ending didn't turn out the way we want, but you know, as a defense, you know, we trained up where we played, we played our tail off, you yeah. know, and why not go do this for three more games? You know, we're not going to put no limitations on who we are just because, you know, the situation we're in, you know, it doesn't matter who we're playing against, what week it is. We're going to go out there. We're going to try to win every Saturday. All right, LSU fans, there he is. Mike Jones, linebacker. Going to be a lot of fun to watch him and this defense finish the season. This has been LSU Film Room brought to you by Community Coffee. We'll see you next week. Go Tigers. Like nights of old, we fight to hold the glory of the purple and gold. Come on, you Tigers. I said fight, fight, fight. Victory for, victory for. Victory for A-